0: Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. stakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void or prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. On this edition of the Pigpen Podcast, it's Dallas Week, baby! Preview of the matchup that we got this weekend with the Cowboys. Let's get after it. Drag up that diesel. Oh, I'm- trying to find running room, and he's still on his feet. Can't hold. He's got the first down to the 40. He's gone. The 35, the 30, the 20. He's gone. He's gone. Touchdown, Washington Redskins. What's good? Welcome to the Big Ben Podcast. I'm your host, Denton Day, at Denton underscore Day. It is Dallas week Baby, I'm not going to do the baby thing twice, at least not to the extent. But we got Dallas this week, and I got to tell you, I have been a fan of the football team for uh, almost 26 years now. I'm approaching age 26, I'm 25 now. I've been a fan of the organization for as long as I can realistically remember. So maybe 25 isn't the exact number, but you get what I'm saying. I've been a fan of the organization for years and years and years, and for the first time in my fandom. Uh, this is like the first Dallas week that I'm, I don't want to say I'm not excited for, but it just seems like there's not a whole lot of buildup. There's not a whole lot of, uh, the, the rivalry feel really isn't here this week. It, it's a very, very strange concept because I've, I looked, I looked at the schedule. I looked at the history of the rivalry, and there have been some times where, from our perspective, we don't have anything really to gain from Dallas week, other than just beating the Cowboys and hoping to beat the Dallas Cowboys. Yet still some of those games, at least at the time felt more exciting. They felt more worthwhile than what we have this upcoming week. And this is the first time since 2015 with real games played. So with more than one game played in the season, this is the first time since 2015 That both of these teams have entered a matchup. The football team and the Cowboys entering a matchup with losing records. It was December 7th, 2015. It was the Monday night, not thriller, not classic. It was kind of the Monday night letdown. The Deshaun Jackson muffed punt. And then he ends up scoring a touchdown. And then Dallas wins it uh, with a kick. I actually almost caused a lot of damage in that game. I'm not like a big... uh, Anger guy is a fan. Like, I don't punch walls. I don't throw remotes at televisions. I don't break anything. But after that Monday Night Dallas game in 2015, because at the time, we still had playoff hopes on the line, which we ultimately ended up winning the final four games that year. We go 9-7. We we win the division. Everything is all good. But at the time, I didn't know we were going to win the next four games. I was pissed. I took off my jersey. It's the Sean Taylor jersey that I have been wearing for years and years and years. I haven't bought a new wft jersey and i didn't buy a, a redskin jersey for the past like six years i mean the sean taylor jersey is literally the last jersey that i bought from the organization um so it's been quite some time it's not even it's a it's, it's like a nike sean taylor jersey too so it's it's kind of off brand and off market but it still works anyway the jersey is not important but i threw the jersey out of the football game and i was in college at the time and the college dorms had those sprinklers Where, if you like break this mini shard of like glass or plastic, I don't know what it is, but if you break it or if it melts, uh, it sets the sprinklers off. But because I was living in a college dorm, uh, if you break one, they go off for the entire building. So I almost caused like millions of dollars worth of damage because of this football game. That aside, that was the last time in 2015 that both teams entered the matchup with a losing record. Well, now we're getting that this weekend. And it's two organizations that are seemingly going in opposite directions of how they anticipated their season to go, but are somehow going in the same direction. I that I know that's confusing. It's very hard to pick up, but you gotta remember Dallas at one point, hopefully not now, but at one point, the Cowboys thought they were going to be Super Bowl contenders. They had Dak Prescott. They hired Mike McCarthy, and they thought, oh, Mike McCarthy went to a Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. This is going to be the guy that leads us to the promised land. Somehow they forgot. Somehow they forgot that Mike McCarthy, who was just on the streets, the previous year was up for the Jets job. He lost the Jets job to Adam Gase. How is that going in New York? Terrible. Terrible. McCarthy lost that job to Adam Gase, yet somehow in Jerry Jones' twisted mind, somehow in mainstream media's twisted mind, everyone just assumed that Mike McCarthy, because of all the success he had in Green Bay with one of the greatest quarterbacks we've ever seen in Aaron Rodgers, everyone just assumed that this guy was going to take Dallas to the Super Bowl. Surprise, surprise, he has not. So Dallas, going in a very different direction, yes, the Dak Prescott injury has something to do with that, but they weren't even winning with Dak Prescott. And then you have our situation where we thought this was supposed to be a rebuilding year. It started out as a rebuilding year for the first two and a half weeks, and then all of a sudden, we just decided, hey, let's try winning football games despite the fact that we have not built out our skill position positions I would say we're not built out to win football games on the outside we have one and a half really good playmakers no we'll say two I will give a half to Antonio Gibson so far I'll give half to McKissick so far and then we have Terry McLaurin so we have two really good playmakers on offense and our quarterback situation is an absolute mess so it's two organizations that thought they were going to be one thing entering the year they're the complete opposite yet somehow they're both losing It is a very, very strange situation to be in, and because of that, the hype for this game is, it's hard to find. It's a football game, we're at the end of October, we're sort of getting football weather, I mean it was like 80 in Northern Virginia today, and 80 yesterday, it was like high 70s yesterday, so maybe that's not like October football weather, but I I don't know, I'm not a weatherman, it just feels like we're deeper into the football season here. So I've had a little bit of struggles trying to really get hyped up for this football game. We're in a very strange situation just with our quarterback position. Uh, Ron Rivera said earlier in the day, uh, today's a Thursday that I'm taping this, so earlier in the day, Ron Rivera said that there's no cutoff point for Kyle Allen, uh, that he may, may have said there wasn't one for uh, Dwayne Haskins. All this stuff is getting jumbled in my mind. It is getting very difficult to kind of follow the, the story arc that our quarterback situation has become here. It's difficult. It doesn't make sense. And the script always seems to be flip-flopping, which maybe that's a good thing for Ron Rivera. He's essentially telling people like me that talking to microphones for a living to buzz the hell off saying that he's going to make whatever decision he wants to make. And it's not predicated based on some scripted formula, which it. In one line of thinking is a great thing because I don't want the head coach of a football team and a guy that is majorly responsible for the personnel decisions to be following some script that's laid out by someone that isn't him. Uh, But on the the other flip side, I would say, uh, it's very difficult to follow along. And sometimes I just want to know what's happening. And I don't feel like that's unfair to ask. I just want to be in the know. We just want to be in the know as fans. I just want to know what's happening with your organization, and the constant flip-flopping does make it very difficult to keep up with. So that's kind of where we're at leading into the game. Did I do a good job of selling that for you? Are you more amped up to see Ron Rivera and Mike McCarthy coach against each other in what is it, Week Six? Week Six was Week Six or Week Seven? It's Week Seven of this NFL season. Now that I've laid out how one guy is a Jets reject and the other guy keeps flip-flopping what he actually wants this team to be, Oh, this is going to be a mess. This is going to be a mess, and yet somehow, because of all of this, the game itself is probably going to be like an absolute classic. Both teams are not officially eliminated from playoff contention. We're really not even near that point yet. But Dallas sucks. We're not very good. Yet somehow this game is going to be like an overtime thriller Kyle Allen and, and the Red Rocket, Andy Dalton, are just going to put up insane numbers. They're going to be dueling it out. It's the duel that no one wanted to see in the NFL. That's how I imagine this game is going to end up, just based on the little amount of hype we've seen headed into the week. But with that said, let's actually get to some of the matchups that we need to win if we want to get back in the win column. Let's talk some offense. You know, shocker, we're starting with the offense. This is going to be a very telling Signed for our organization, as, as to what we actually have at the running back position moving forward, because Dallas, quite frankly, sucks at defending the run. Their defense has been terrible. You've watched them on national television. You've watched them in big time games on game of the weeks, uh, playing against the Browns. That one got a lot of trajectory in terms of views. Uh, the Atlanta Falcons collapse, which put Dallas right uh, front and center. Dallas's offense has been really good with Dak Prescott, but they've needed to be really good because their defense can't stop anything. And a lot of that starts in the run game. They are, they're not dead last in run defense, but they're pretty damn close. They're allowing 173.3 yards per game on the ground. That is very, very crucial to state. Teams are averaging over 30 carries against the Dallas Cowboys, And most teams are averaging more than five yards per carry. Arizona, on Monday Night Football, averaged nearly eight yards per carry. Teams are finding a ton of success running the football against the Dallas Cowboys. Now, here's why this is going to be telling. Because Dallas is 31st in the league in rush defense. We are 32nd in the league in rush offense Our run game has been atrocious. We haven't really been able to get anybody going. If Dallas is averaging 30 yards per carry, teams are averaging, excuse me, teams are averaging 30 yards against 30 carries per game against Dallas. We are averaging 24 attempts per game. Dallas is allowing five yards per carry. We are averaging three and a half yards per carry. So something has got to give here. That's something is either going to be our rushing attack finally finding success and getting our guys moving in the backfield or Dallas is going to find ways to make stops. Obviously, we are hoping for the former and not the latter. I watched them on Monday Night Football. Arizona made that offensive made that defensive line look like fools. Arizona's offensive line looked like titans. I mean, these dudes were straight warriors. They were bullying grown men at the point of attack at the line of scrimmage. We have yet to see our offensive line. In all the changes that we've seen working with young players, we have yet to see our offensive line do anything that even remotely resembles the idea of dominating at the point of attack and winning the battle at the line of scrimmage. This is the time for some of these young offensive linemen to step up. To prove that they deserve to play at the NFL level. To essentially earn a spot in the future of this organization. Because I do believe that while Ron Rivera says that we're trying to win, he's, also win, he's in this weird process and this weird phase, which I imagine cannot be easy. Of wanting to win football games, but also being forced to evaluate the talent that is on this roster in terms of moving forward with the organization. And the offensive line is. The offensive line needs help. Uh, maybe that's the nicest way of putting it. I, I thought they played better last week, but I still can't get the performance against the Rams out of my head. We need somebody to step up on the offensive line, preferably all of the people on the offensive line, to step up and to play better and to dominate the point of attack. And we also need the guys behind them to perform well because not all of it is on the offensive line. Some of our struggles are on the offensive line, but some of the struggles are also on the running backs, the guys that get paid to carry the football. We cut Adrian Peterson because we liked the group that we had at the running back spot. I don't hate the decision to cut Adrian Peterson, although now, as a team that is supposedly trying to win, maybe it would be nice to have a first ballot Hall of Famer that still seems to have some form of juice left in him. That aside, we need our weapons. We have two guys at the running back spot that are officially labeled as weapons. Antonio Gibson, J.D. McKissick. Those guys are weapons, which is fantastic. It adds a component to our offense that we need. They're both playmakers, but at some point, the weapons actually have to be guys that can run the football and not just make plays out of the backfield on short screens and short passes that they can turn two- or three-yard passes into five- or six yards. That is great in its own right and independently, but we need them to do their primary job, which is run the football. This offense, this struggling offense that we have in our team, the offense gets better when you run the football. It's a very old-school way of thinking, yes. But the offense is going to get better as the running game performs better. And so far, we have not seen the running game perform to a level that I feel like it should be, that you feel like it should be, and that I feel like the talent we have represents. Because I do believe in both Gibson and McKissick. I'm a little less enthusiastic about giving Peyton Barber a ton of carries, but I'm not against it if he's the hot hand. We haven't really seen him be the hot hand yet, but if he ends up being the hot hand against the Dallas Cowboys, roll with the hot hand. We just need to start getting this offense moving, and you do so in the run game. We're six weeks into the season going on seven. We have watched our offense struggle immensely. If we don't have a great run game and we're not overly creative with our offense in terms of ways that we attack the defense, what are we doing, right? And I'm not saying that's not an excuse to just, you know, hope that the offense starts becoming Kansas City out of the blue. God, please, no. We are not equipped to do some of the things that Kansas City does in terms of wrinkles that they do, unique screenplays, getting different guys the ball in different ways. They do a very good job of that. They have the personnel for that. I'm not suggesting we just need to to become Kansas City all of a sudden. But if we're not running the football and we're not unique on offense, we're bland as hell. And it's exceptionally easy to defend, and that's one of the primary reasons that our offense has struggled. You could blame the lack of talent that we have with the skill position players and guys maybe not running the right routes, maybe not taking the routes deep enough or whatever. We can get into like deep, deep X's and O's conversations if you really want to, and maybe some of that is to blame, but we are very, very bland on offense, and you can't be bland on offense and not be able to run the football efficiently and effectively. I think that's the biggest thing that we have seen over the first six weeks of action. We have questions at the quarterback spot. We don't know who our future is, likely not a guy that's on the roster at the moment. But we've been so bland on offensive defenses, even if they're not good defenses, they've been able to defend that. And I look at the defense we're playing this week, and this is by far the weakest defense that we will have played to this point all season. And it might be, when all things are said and done, the weakest defense that we will play all season. If we have any sort of life offensively, if we have any sort of pop, we have to see it this weekend. Because if not, I don't care what Ron Rivera says at a press conference, any idea that we can actually win this division has to immediately evaporate from his skull if it isn't already done so. The idea of us winning the division has long been gone from my skull. I never really thought that was legitimate at all. And I'm sure you are the exact same way. You had to be a certain kind of optimistic as a fan, not someone inside the building. They're different. They're built differently. This is their livelihood. But as a fan, you had to be a certain kind of optimistic to think that idea was even remotely accurate. So if we can't run against Dallas, if we can't have offensive success against Dallas, blow it all. I mean, th- blow it up. I mean, I don't really. We don't really have anything anything to blow up, quite frankly. But you're getting what I'm saying here. Like if something has to. Something has to. To occur this weekend, where you look at it and say, okay, this is what we have to build off of. If not, we are in trouble. I would like that to be Terry McLaurin, but uh, ironically, uh, as bad as Dallas's uh, rush off rush defense is, their pass defense is actually not terrible. They're like surprisingly good. In fact, through six games, uh, Russell Wilson is the only guy that has thrown for over 300 yards against Dallas. And they've played some really solid quarterbacks. Like Matt Ryan is kind of a statistical guy. You know, he, he didn't go over 300 yards. He did throw four touchdowns in that Atlanta game where they scored 40 points. But he didn't go over 300 yards. Uh, Jared Goff has been known to put up some numbers that maybe don't exactly indicate how good he is because I'm still personally not sold on him being a great quarterback. Uh, he didn't go over 300 yards. Baker Mayfield certainly didn't. Daniel Jones certainly didn't. Uh, so Dallas's pass defense, not terrible. But I also look at the kind of the players that they got in their defensive backfield, the guys that are going to be responsible for covering Terry McLaurin. And I don't see a guy that I think, oh, yeah, that guy can have success against Terry McLaurin. So far to this point, what we've seen all year is that Terry McLaurin is a true number one wide receiver dealing with a bad offense and bad play calling and questioned to the quarterback spot. The only game that he has really had a poor performance in was just that complete nightmare of against Los Angeles, where nothing could get going offensively, Uh, and part of that was because it was Alex Smith's return, and there were just all these sorts of variables that were out of the control of Terry McLaurin, which is why he performed bad. I see him having a huge game against the Dallas Cowboys, and maybe, now this might be too optimistic, but maybe, just maybe, we finally take deep shots in the the first quarter. I'll take them in the fourth quarter, too, but I want to see deep shots in the first quarter. Get the offense moving. Get the team in rhythm. Dominate the point of attack. And maybe, just maybe, we can score over 30 points in a game. This might be way too optimistic here. But if New York could do it, why can't we do it against Dallas? New York put up 34 points. They hadn't scored a touchdown in two weeks before they played the Cowboys. We, at the very least, are capable of scoring touchdowns at a more likely clip than New York is. Even if they did beat us last week, but whatever. So who is going to step up that's not Terry McLaurin? I think the best option would have been Isaiah Wright. He's not going to play this week, though. Or he's very, very unlikely to play. He's not practicing all week, so I don't see why he would play. So the next best option I would say is Cam. I mean, Cam Sims caught the touchdown. Is it too much to just ask him to to step right up into a role where he has a lot of success against the Dallas Cowboys? Uh, maybe that is too much to ask, but I mean, I'm picking at straws here as to who is going to step up. Dontrell Inman has had a lot of success recently, but I still don't see him as, as a true number two wide receiver for this team. He's certainly not in the future plans long-term, so uh, I'm looking for guys that I feel like are going to be with the organization for years to come, and I guess now Cam Sims fits that mole. Is this the week where he gets real play time after capitalizing on the opportunity he got last week? And with some of the injuries, is this where he gets real play time and is able to capitalize on that and not only just earn his spot in the lineup moving forward, but also just put forth solid production against a defense that is prone to giving up solid production. I'm hoping that's the case here because it needs to be somebody to help Terry McLaurin out. If we get another threat on the outside, all of a sudden this offense opens up tremendously because McLaurin really is that good. It's a lot easier to double-team and to work your defense solely against Terry McLaurin when there's no one else doing anything on offense. So even if it is just one to two to three big plays, something that makes the defense turn their heads and say, wait a second, this guy is actually capable of making things happen, I do think that really adjusts the way that we can play on offense and hopefully can result in us picking up a win. But enough about the offense. Let's talk some defense. When it comes to the offense of the Dallas Cowboys, this is a very strange thing to say, but 2020 has brought us some very strange circumstances. I'm not that afraid of Ezekiel Elliott. There was a point in time in 2016, 2017, 18, I never thought I would utter those words. But based on what I have seen so far from Ezekiel Elliott and, and seeing the way that he fumbled the ball against Arizona, There is something going on, whether it's upstairs or whether it is just the the coachings. I mean, Dallas is in a lot of turmoil right now. And I am not afraid of Ezekiel Elliott the way that I feel like I should be afraid of Ezekiel Elliott. He got paid like one of the top running backs because he was one of the top running backs. And since he got paid, he is in a way, validated why you don't pay running backs. So I'm not afraid of Ezekiel Elliott. What I am afraid of with Dallas' offense is is the guys they have on the outside. I'm not a huge believer in Andy Dalton now, but he has a tremendous amount of help that is going to make him a whole lot better. I've been very vocal since his offseason that I was very pleased Amari Cooper turned down our huge money offer. I don't realistically know how much we offered him. I've seen reports, but I've never seen anything confirmed I don't know how much we offer to Marty Cooper. I know it was more than Dallas did and he turned us down. And I can't tell you how happy I am for that. And I'm hoping this weekend validates that. Now, Marty Cooper's numbers so far this season have been impressive. He's already over 500 yards through six games, which is great for a number one wide receiver. That's kind of what you're looking for. But we do have to remember that a lot of that has come in pseudo garbage time with Dak Prescott literally just slinging the ball Really, almost every single play after the first quarter. I mean, Dallas finds themselves getting down early in almost every single game, and then you're forced to turn to Dak Prescott when he was healthy to just sling the ball. A little bit of a production drop last week against Arizona because, again, Andy Dalton was the guy in there, and Andy Dalton is not Dak Prescott in terms of being able to throw the football now. I'm just hoping it validates what I've said this entire offseason that we didn't need Amari Cooper. He's overpaid. He's overrated. I do want to see Kendall Fuller get a lot of the matchups against Amari Cooper. The problem is, and this is what scares me, you got Amari Cooper on one side, you got CeeDee Lamb on the other. And CeeDee Lamb has very, very quietly lived up to all of the hype that was surrounding him when he literally fell into the lap of the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, that was a divine gift to Jerry Jones. I don't know what he did. I don't know if he sold his soul. I don't know who he sacrificed in his family, but that was a divine gift of CeeDee Lamb falling right into the lap of Jerry Jones. Who is going to cover CeeDee Lamb? I am confident in Kendall Fuller uh, as doing anything he wants to on the field. So far, what we've seen from him when he's been healthy and playing for us is that Kendall Fuller, can quite literally do anything he wants, and I will nod, I will clap, I will cheer. He is fantastic. Everyone else is a question mark. I think Ronald Darby has played solid, so maybe he's less of a question mark than everybody else, but everyone after that is a severe question mark because they haven't played well, and that's what really scares me about this weekend. They're either going to put up or they're going to shut up, and my biggest fear is that CeeDee Lamb is is really going to make somebody shut the hell up this weekend. And that is not what I want. I don't want it to be Amari Cooper, definitely. But I I, I feel like CeeDee Lamb is prone for a very, very big game. And that frightens me because I don't know who we have that can cover him if we do shadow Amari Cooper with Kendall Fuller. Maybe we have decided we still don't want to use Kendall Fuller to shadow somebody. I don't know why I would be thinking that at this point. I think he's the perfect option and becoming a guy that is legitimately a true number one corner in this league. So utilize him as such. Maybe we decide we don't want to do that. I don't know. But what I know is those guys on the outsides are very, very frightening. Andy Dalton is still Andy Dalton. He is not the Andy Dalton of like 2014 when he weirdly was in the MVP conversation. He's not there anymore. Is he the best backup in the NFL? Maybe. I mean, I, I don't really care. I think that's a weird title to have anyway. Maybe he is, maybe he isn't. I, I That doesn't matter now. He's the guy that's playing for the Dallas Cowboys. Can we get after him? Their offensive line is broken. Our defensive line is supposed to be really, really good. Let's continue to see that. Some of the numbers didn't exactly show up great this weekend, but I thought our guys played really well. You know, Chase Young didn't have a sack, but he was in the backfield. He was causing havoc. I want to see more of that. I want to continue to see Chase Young kind of get the uh, the training wheels off, if you will, because he's still dealing with that injury that's still impacting him at practice. So I know that's still a lingering thing right now, and I do think that limits the amount that you can actually put him on the field and just allow him to pin his ears back and get after the quarterback. But I want to continue to see those limitations lifted from him, and I, and I want to use him and Montez Sweat really as much as possible. I think Sweat has had a really good start to the season so far, and I think those two guys on the edge and on the outside are the two best options to get after the passer. I don't want to just completely disregard Ryan Kerrigan. I know the guy played seven snaps last weekend, which does seem exceptionally low for a guy his caliber, even a guy that was able to maximize. I mean, he played seven snaps and still had a sack. So I would like to get Ryan Kerrigan on the field more, but I think it's very clear that Young, and sweat on the outside of the two guys that are the future, I want to see them just completely annihilate Andy Dalton, quite frankly. Like, get very familiar with that guy. I say this literally every week. I want Chase Young to meet the other team's quarterback. And I want them to have a very good relationship by the end of the game where he comes up and says, hey, man, you played really, really well. That, that's what I want here. And with Dallas's broken-ass offensive line, it feels like this isn't going to be a weekend where we can have a whole lot of success getting after the quarterback. And based on that, based on Dallas's poor defense, I do think we get back into the win column. Is it bold? Maybe. But I think our team gets back into the win column. I don't think it's going to be an exceptionally pretty game. It's either going to be a very ugly game or, like I said at the beginning of the podcast, it's going to be like this absolute classic Uh, that we're going to talk about for years and years and years obviously the former a little bit more likely just considering the talent that we at least have offensively but I think we get it back in the win column I don't think this Dallas Cowboys offense is very good and I think mentally the Cowboys as a team are not in a great spot right now Uh, I think we win 24 to 17 we get back in the win column and that's what it is. All right, that's wrapping up for this edition of the Pigpen Podcast. I'm going to do my best to enjoy Dallas Week this weekend. I hope you do the same. I'll be back on Monday talking about the game. Let's have some fun. Hit me up on Twitter over the weekend at Denton Sport day. I'll see you Monday.